Um, on that note, you played under Rafa Benitez, who is also a pragmatic manager. You just mentioned earlier about playing left midfield and having to run up and down and up and down. Um, and then also you've had uh, you played under Eric Ten Hag as well. Which I manager? Sorry, I just had to get that in there. If people know, if people who listen to this know that I, I really love Ten Hag, so I just had to mention that. Do Do you not love Rafa Benitez? Uh, less less than Ten Hag for sure. Um, but I respect <laughs> what he's done in the game, but but I loved uh, Ten Hag a little bit more. Right. I'm a big like I I used to love Rafa Benitez, but then as time went on, I realised we were a very boring team to watch that relied on individual quality. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which manager did you prefer? Which manager sort of changed the way you looked at football? Well, I mean, um, look, um, if you Google uh, my opinion about Benitez, uh, most likely you'll find a lot of. Um, you know, negative opinions that I have about him based on personal experience. But I always gave him credit as a manager tactically and 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 giving us information to to approach a game. You know, he, his, his way of analyzing a team, uh, his way uh, of preparing for a team was always spot on. And we always had the right information to understand where the weaknesses and the strengths were from a team. Mm. Um, however, if you talk about managing players um you know i think he was very poor at that and even a player with uh, of uh, you know uh, like steven gerrard would tell you the same you know fernando torres would tell you the same and these were players who were who were always playing under benitez you know um on a on a, on a personal level he was uh, he was terrible um but um if you talk about my preferences for coach and 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 who, where I could maybe play better myself, it would be clearly Ten Hag. You know, um, he is um, you know a technical coach from details. Um, you know, and that's again, it's it's Dutch being. You know, it's not something. It's not something new. As a Dutch person, you're used to uh, coaches being very demanding like that. Um, Louis van Gaal is one of the OGs who was demanding already in his prime in the early 90s when he was coaching Ajax. Um, and yeah, you had many other coaches who are and still are like that, you know. So, um, but yeah, you know, the Benitez definitely have, sh- have, se- have showed me a different way of looking at football. A, a way that you didn't really like that much. <laughs> a way that you didn't really like that no, much. No, not necessarily. Uh, I, I'm just now talking about... Um, look, I came from Ajax where, like I said, you know, from a mentality that it has to be beautiful football. Mm. But then now, we came, now I came to Liverpool where it was about the result. And mm. uh, what I've learned from that experience was, hey, yes, we're going to try and play good football, but if we cannot... Let's try and bring the three points home. The result matters. Doesn't matter how. We're gonna fight. We have to play long balls. Then we're gonna play long balls. If it's set pieces, it's set pieces. Let's take the three points home. And that mentality is, <laughs> is even goes a bit, your accent even goes a bit scouse when you say words like long ball and three points. <laughs> yeah. Like you never heard them. You don't hear them over in there. <laughs> no, no. But you know what I mean. Like it's 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 the thing that opened my eyes. You know, and 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 um. Um, imagine you know you 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 had players on the midfield like Xabi Alonso, Mascherano, and then you would have to play long balls. You know what I mean? It's like almost weird to imagine, but 
that's sometimes what we had to do to win for the three points. And after we won a difficult away game at Bolton, for example, you all saw the relief and 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 and, and happiness of like let's you know like well done guys we had the three points we go to the next match it's kind of and, like the it's kind of like the morocco win uh, a lot of people were criticizing morocco yeah. for playing sort of really defensive but when you look at all of their fans in the street what it means to the people of morocco then you sort of exactly. see the the value in playing just for the yeah. three points but in ajax you know, after that game already, amongst the players, like we would not be happy because we know the the upcoming week we would probably it would be a tough week because you know the coach was unhappy with the way we played, the way we won. It wasn't the way we wanted, right? So you already know oh, it's going to be a tough week because we're going to <laughs> again practice, practice, and and do certain things. Why was the build up not working? Why did we not find the strikers from the midfield? Like we're going to exercise that, and I know that Ten Hag is now. Um, going is now doing that at 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 United. This, this uh, when I think about like which manager would I personally rather play under, I feel like genuinely I'd rather play under Rafa Benitez because he he just say just run around, just run around, oh. be really busy. You don't need to be that football. Whereas I think Ten Hag has a demand that you have to be able to play. Say you're a centre back, you have to play out from the back, or you're a left back, you've got to be able to receive the ball on a half turn. Yeah, and you've got to be able to tuck inside. I think that demand on a Amir, you're smiling. Do you think you can play under Ten Hag? Yo, give give me uh, cover new knees and ten more years to practice, and I'll be there. But you know what? What, <laughs> what I'm actually going to say uh, about Ten Hag, from what I've read, and obviously in summer I wrote this really long article about Ten Hag. Um, from what I've learned about Ten Hag. He's a coach who appreciates the individual for the qualities that they have rather than just saying, okay, I need a player who's going to play inverted here or I need a player who's going to overlap here. He looks at the individual and uh, we saw it with Frankie De Jong, we saw it with Tadic, we saw it with um, Ziyech. He, he looks at certain players, he sees the qualities that they have and then he says, okay, this player needs a little bit more freedom. This player is good at this certain thing. So I'll look at how I can put that quality into my team. Um I was going to ask Ryan, in terms of Ten Hag more specifically, how did he manage players on that individual level? Is that a sort of accurate way of, of seeing things or yeah, just sort of insight on that? Um, Amir, Amir just wants his uh, article validated. If you say yes, he's going to say yes. Not even. <laughs> I, I just I just want to know about Ten Hag because I, I'm a massive fan, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean... Um... Look, he has he has um, he has a certain demand of the collective, mm. of his style, and then yes, if you can add some extra, he gives you the freedom to do that, of course, you know. But um, he does demand um, certain qualities for the way he wants to play, and you know, I don't know, I don't know if I if I should should say that, but I believe that if he makes it until the end of the season into the next season and he will has a budget again to let's say bring in players i believe he is going to get a new goalkeeper even though the gaia is a great goalkeeper he's not able to do everything the that profile that Ten Hag likes mm. yes because he's not a good build-up uh, goalkeeper and, you know, he makes a lot of mistakes with that. And I know that's very demanding in the way 
if he wants to excel United to a higher level. So I think De Gea will be one of the very first goalkeepers that will be replaced. And then, of course, you know, there are, I'm sure there are a lot of other positions that he is going to change. Um, right now, he has to do it with what he has. You know, he I guess he had money enough to buy one, two players in. Um, but if he could really t- turn out the whole squad, I think a lot of players would not make it. It's like Joe Hart a little bit when, when Guardiola came in um, and he didn't maybe have the qualities yeah. that Bravo or Edison had to play out of the back. Um, yeah, so I see sure. similarities there. And also, yeah. sorry, I was just going to say, at the start of the season as well, um, Ten Hag, he's not this very pragmatic coach, but he was willing to change his style to suit the qualities of his players and play a bit long to get these certain results. And I found that really interesting. He had to, because, you know, he saw that probably what he wanted was not able, was not realistic at that moment. So, yeah, he had to kind of adjust his his, his his way a little bit. Now, that's yeah. why Rafa Benitez is my guy. <laughs> if, if Rafa Benitez found me on the street, he'd just go, come play for my team. You'll be fine. Get in the box <laughs> um, and clear it. You... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clear it up to the striker. They'll do the rest. Right. Um, you mentioned Steven Gerrard, uh, mainly his relationship with Rafa Benitez. But Steven Gerrard, the footballer, I think is really interesting because you have Steven Gerrard in the eyes of Liverpool fans, who's the man who can do no wrong. He can do everything yeah. on a pitch. Yeah. You have Steven Gerrard, who, uh, in the opinion of some of his ex-pros, isn't the nicest guy in the world. Hmm. And then you have Steven Gerrard now, the manager, who demands a little bit too much of his players. And then you have the outside fans who sort of say, Liverpool fans don't see anything outside of Steven Gerrard. Mm. Where do you sit with Steven Gerrard, having played with him, having been in a changing room with him? Um, Well, I mean, to be honest, it surprised me that people would say that he is not a nice person. Um, He actually is a nice person. He was was a very good captain. I at first hand was surprised that he, uh, um, yeah, you know, became a manager because he was not necessarily the 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 most, let's say, talk active as a captain, you know, compared to let's say Jamie Carragher, you know, I I saw more of a manager in Jamie Carragher, you know, than than Stephen Gerrard. Not because I was not thinking that Stephen Gerrard was not able to do that. Uh, but just because of the way how I judged his personality, you know, um, he almost as a player, he had some of that um, shyness over him, you know, like he was not mm-hmm. unnecessarily talker. He was, you know, quiet at, 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 at most moments. He only talked when he needed to talk um, in the pitch. He was a good leader. You know, he was um, saying the right things. But Jamie Carragher, you would hear him, you know, like nonstop, you know, he was Non-stop talking. Non-stop. What sort of what sort of things would Carragher he, say? Yeah, he had a he had a great sense of humor, you know. But he was really constantly waking everyone up in the dressing room during the warming up, during the game, after the game, you know, like during training sessions. The whole week, he was constantly on top of everyone. <laughs> with him, you know, like he obviously was the second captain, but with him, if you experience that, it would make more sense of him being becoming a manager because he had that sort of aura over him mm. and uh with gerard you know when he became manager i was like oh you know like i was kind of surprised by that but at the same time i was not surprised by him becoming 
uh, a good manager because even though yeah okay you know it didn't 100% work out at Villa um, for what he have done so far especially you know in in uh, Rangers has been incredible you know so um, I do believe um, he will bounce back and find a great project again and will get the confidence to 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 you know continue his managing career um, and I think he is destined to to become a Liverpool manager one day for sure you know it's it's, it's destined. Um, um but um yeah you know um great great person great great player he has been and and now we're going to see um hopefully a great career as manager he's um when when i talk about like people don't speak that well of him i feel like players who didn't play that well with liverpool tend to not speak well about him mm. so i feel like there's a little bit of a correlation between players that maybe didn't enjoy their time at Liverpool right. also didn't enjoy having Steven Gerrard around. Right. Maybe, maybe maybe because he demands so much, yeah. maybe because he's 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 like in Liverpool he's he's like a god. He is um, he, he basically is, is Liverpool. If you think about Liverpool, you just think about Steven yeah. Gerrard, isn't it? Well, imagine, I mean, I imagine the the perception that we have um let's say about Messi that he is, you know, like such a humble football player never speaks but look there are players who have bad things to say about him who have trained with him in barcelona you know so to me that was weird to hear that he could have he could be an asshole also as teammate you know so at the same time i'm not surprised that players maybe have that experience maybe with Stephen gerard as well you know like at the end of the day it's a sport of football you know um it, it demands a certain performance it demands a certain quality and and if you fall outside if you fall short then yeah you know there are times that 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 players have to be an asshole to to wake you up or try to get the best out of you and, and if you cannot handle it then you experience that as oh you know he, he is not a nice person or mm. whatever so this that's what i uh, quickly talk about another liverpool player current Liverpool player virgil van dyke it's been honestly we we asked yesterday to twitter can you? I love this question by the way. Ryan Babel. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'd I'd say one in every two question was about this mysterious weakness that Virgil Van Dijk has that only you know about. I also have a weakness in Van Dijk's game that I think I only know about. Yeah. But let's hear it from you first, and we'll see if we land on the same page. Right. You scored. You scored. I saw someone say, "Well, Ryan scored against him for Fulham, so yeah. he definitely the weakness definitely exists." Yeah, yeah, I think yeah that's yeah, when yeah, the yeah. quote around about when the quotes came out, roughly, or, or when people were mentioning the quotes. Yeah. It was. I had an interview before that game, and then after the, then and then he I, scored, which is amazing. <laughs> that's actually amazing. <laughs> yeah, but um, look, I experienced, for example, playing against uh, a top defender like John Terry, and. John Terry belongs to one of the greatest defenders, you know. Uh, he's in that box, you know, especially for Chelsea, for England. And um, when I analyzed John Terry, I played against him also as a striker. I, I, I had some good, a few, you know, challenges with him. And, and you know, he's incredible. Um, but what I did notice being on the pitch, the way he was captaining in and talking, he w- he always made sure that he had the defenders around him, right? His right back, his other partner, his holy midfielder. And because of that, he would almost never be in a 1v1 situation. And because he would never be in a one-on-one situation, he would, out- he would nine times out of ten always win a challenge with his individual opponent, 
whether it was in the air, whether it was uh, him receiving the ball, you know, because he got cover, he got coverage from his teammates, so he would always win the challenge. But then at one point, there was a moment where I was able to have a certain 1v1 with him. And that's when I realized he wasn't really comfortable with a player going at him 1v1 because either his turnings were not on point or maybe his pace, you know, and then he would have to make a foul to to try and stop the player. So that's where I recognized like, okay, wait a minute. John Terry's weaknesses most likely is 1v1. And he probably knows that. So he is going to make sure he is never going to become in that position, in the 1v1 situation. That made him great because he never got exposed like that or hardly exposed like that, you know? So if you translate that, I'm not saying that that's exactly the same situation with Virgil, but Virgil... Read between the lines. Yes, <laughs> is, is incredibly... And I also call that a quality. That's that's very, very smart. Yeah. Very, very smart. If you, if you know that, that's very good. Um, so let's just say that I believe that um, he always makes sure how to not get in a position that, let's say, his weaknesses comes to light, right? Um, and that's and therefore, he's always able to stand out and perform such a great level and be able to, you know. But in reality, I mean, you know, there, there have been a few moments this season already where, where he has been criticized, you know. Um, let's... Um, Let's take this example from Ecuador, a game where they scored. Um, you had this player receiving the ball on the left side and Virgil was giving him enough space for him to make a shoot on the goalkeeper. The rebound came to, uh, I think it was Valencia, and Valencia scored. You would normally expect in that situation for the defender to go to the player to block the shot or to have not have him to attempt to have a free shot. And I think a lot of criticism has come from that because he has done that also for Liverpool a few times where he's not really going to the man to try to stop him. He's kind of like passively staying in front of the player without making a move and the player still have a certain freedom to be dangerous, you know? Do you you think that, like you mentioned, obviously, with the John Terry example, do you think with Van Dijk he sometimes is a, a little bit passive or stands off a little bit more because in other situations he's had other defenders closer to him to maybe cover a little bit. Um, and then in situations like against Ecuador, when it's just a pure 1v1, especially sort of on the right-hand side, because I know he's a left centre-back, um, but when he moves into yeah. that right-hand side um, and the angles are a bit less favourable and there's less players around him, that's one of the tiny weaknesses that you can probably get at at Van Dijk? Well, I think you, you, you um, maybe described it pretty well. Yeah. Decoded it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, the thing is when, when I watch Van Dijk and obviously I'm a Manchester City fan and I focus a lot on tactics, but I watched, I think every Liverpool game for about four years because they were, like one point behind us for that entire time, basically. And when I watched Van Dijk a lot, for me, one thing I really noticed was at left centre-back, the way he sort of angles his body and, and 
shows players into certain avenues before tackling them, it's almost impossible to get at him. Um, but then sort of on that right centre-back side, I've always looked at Van Dijk and thought, he's still amazing, but sort of Leroy Sané's got him there. I think there's been other examples of of against Ecuador. Um, I have sort of a list of... of not, not really mistakes. Of course but... you do, man. You've got, you've got a Van Dyke agenda. It's not even an agenda. <laughs> and, you know when and Ryan's just fueling it. <laughs> it's not even an agenda. I'm saying when people are so great, you have to look at them really with like a critical eye just to find anything wrong with their game. And that's the same right. with Van Dyke. He's so impressive that like to really find any weakness in his game, you have to be really, really critical. Um, and I just yeah. noticed that pattern just sort of on the right hand side, um, the angles right. maybe, and then. Possibly the support. Look, I forget, think. Forget those things for a moment. Yeah. Um, I know Virgil before playing for Liverpool. Also, actually, before playing for uh, what is it, Southampton? Southampton. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is Dutch, so he brought up obviously as a, as a Dutch player. So, yeah. to, if you if you're being brought up as a Dutch player and as a defender, they. Uh, one of the requirements which you automatically at any level, not only Ajax, get is that you try to play out the two against one against the striker. And then when you have the ball, they want you to dribble into the midfield and yeah. then create an extra man in the midfield. Yeah. He 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 always done that. He, he was able to do that. When he went to Celtic, he was so good that he dribbled in and that the, the, the opponent didn't know how to cope, that he they let him dribble all the way to the 16 yeah. of the opponent's field, and he was able to shoot on target and he even scored goals like that for Celtic. <laughs> from, from the build-up play, like imagine him dribbling in. Yeah, imagine him dribbling in from the back. No one would pressure him, and he would then dribble in the ball really vertical, straight, because they would think he would probably pass or whatever. And then he had the intelligence to go all the way to the other's opponent's half, uh, 16, the box, and then shoot on target. Crazy. He has that He has that quality. But have you him seen doing that for Liverpool? No. I'm not saying that uh, uh, because, again, you know, bear in mind sometimes... He would have certain tests from a manager that the manager said, I don't want you to do that. Then, okay, case closed, you know. But there are a lot of situations, in my opinion, that, especially at Liverpool, I mean, I play with Daniel Agger. Daniel Agger used to do that at Liverpool. Mm. He used to dribble all the way in and he would shoot himself and would be a goal or would be a corner and then he would attack. Mm. So um, I'm saying that, that, you know, me knowing Virgil, you 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 sometimes can demand a little bit more from him, you know. Mm. Especially now that you know the world have put him on 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 this throne. Yeah, he deserves it. But that now you can, in my opinion, then also expect more from him. You know, like like um, he he also shoots free kicks. He can score free kicks, but yeah. I haven't seen him shooting free kicks for for Liverpool. You know? Because Liverpool have, Liverpool have Trent. Yes, no, but Van Dijk's really good at free kicks, though. Surely, but, yeah, but still, like, okay, then there's a, one free kick for you, Trent, and then because I want to be the best, I am the best defender in the world, it's that, it's that, 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 that fire that I feel like, okay, you had one, now it's my turn. Do you think, do you think 
uh, Trent would be able to to put Sergio Ramos aside all the time. Did you, did we not have seen Sergio Ramos shoot free kicks sometimes above a Ronaldo? Because Sergio Ramos like, hey, nice and all, like you already scored. Now it's my turn. I want to shoot a free kick. Whether it was right or not, whether he shot it properly or not, but he tried it over yeah, and over and over again. Yeah. You felt that fire with Sergio Ramos. He went there to score. He went there to 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 be extra, you know, outside of the defending. And I want to see that from Virgil as well. I feel like he is satisfied with what he does. You know, mm-hmm. my opinion. You I know, I know there is, I know there is a thirty percent more left in Virgil. I know that. I know that he can I, do I, really well. I think he. I think he enjoys the Rolls Royce comparisons. That kind. No one ever said Sergio Ramos was a Rolls Royce. Like mm-hmm. if, if Virgil suddenly gives an extra thirty percent, if if sweat starts to drop from his forehead and it looks <laughs> a little bit difficult, he loses that aura. Right now, he part of his greatness is he looks so easy. Exactly. So I think exactly. It's yeah. Part of the brand. And and I I think that's that's of course it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a part of 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 you know protecting that persona and everything. Mm. You know, but um, again, you know, uh, I don't want to take it away that um, he is an incredible defender and he's very important for for the Dutch national team and for Liverpool. You know, so um, is um, I don't want to dally on this point too long. Just as a fan, it was interesting to see that Ake partners him rather than Delit. Is is that surprising to anyone? From the Netherlands, um, was that? No, not anymore because um, Ake has had an incredible development making his move to City. Um, in the beginning, Dutch people were skeptical because they thought he wouldn't survive at City coming from Bournemouth. He was also before already very undervalued at the national team, would never play a minute, you know, was just like, you know, the 15, 16 defender. Was always good, always was a great defender, but he was just not um, at that moment let's say, the, the the first choice for, you know, whether it was Ronald Koeman or whoever was the manager at that time. And then now he excelled at City and, and was able to put himself in the starter 11 at City. And that raised, you know, people's eyebrows in Holland that, hey, maybe we have need to have another look at Ake. And yeah, you know, he he he, he worked he worked for it himself. He showed it himself and, and, and he definitely deserves to play, um, you know, as a left Fit person, um, you know, it's, to do that. It's good as um, well, I think, wow. especially when Blin pushes up. I think Aki, he's, he's a good player in there because he can play left back as well, left centre yeah. back as well, and he sort of shifts in both of those areas. I think Timber's the same in that he can obviously play centre back but also cover the wide areas really easily. And yeah. yeah, I think with this Van Hal team, when your wing backs push really high, having these guys who can defend those areas. I think Aki is yeah. really good for that at City as well, which makes his yeah. inclusion, uh, I think, a good one. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. He's, um, he deserves it. He, um, he's really been uh, great. And, um, yeah, I think uh, more more for him to come, for sure. Sorry, one sec, Ryan. Is there someone in there that, in the room that you want to say, they, they, do you need to tell them to go somewhere? Because you're just doing that. So I'm just if you've got like a child in the room who really needs to talk to you right now, they can if they need to. No, yeah, no. It was um, my uh, family came home. Oh, okay. <laughs> came in quietly. They were. They were ah, yeah. Okay. Just because I saw, I could see a shadow, and I was like, maybe your child is saying, "Dad, I really need to talk to you," and you're oh, like, right. Shh, "I'm doing something." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> cool. Um. 
We've obviously spoken about uh, Nathan Aki, Virgil van Dijk, lots of st- lots of conversation about Netherlands. On the flip side, there's been lots of other things that have been going on. This Brazil situation with uh, the dancing and all of this. I just want to get your view on it, first of all, because from what I remember of you as a player, you were very... Um, you, you you were out there, like back when you were playing, having different haircuts every other week was not a thing. You used to have a different haircut quite frequently. What What's your opinion, firstly, just on the Brazil dancing thing? Where do you sit Expression. with that? Um, I mean, it's in their DNA and uh, it's always have been like that. So, you know, to, I feel like right now we're living in this woke culture that you know you can pinpoint out a lot of things and and have an opinion about it look uh, it's 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 commonly known that in the brazilian culture they 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 express themselves in a way it's it's their life it's their expression of celebrating and yeah you know regardless what 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 people feel about it they're going to do it it's not harming you know? anyone yeah so. they 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 have, they have been doing that you know uh, decades ago already you know in the times of Romario, in the times of the first Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, you know, they, they've been making music, you know, uh, before coming to the game, you know, they, they have always brought the party to the game. So that's, that's, that's their DNA. That's how Brazilians live for football. And yeah. So why do you think the likes of Roy Keane are so miserable when they see like Senegal, just Senegal fans are partying? It annoys him. Roy, Roy. Neymar's dancing annoys him. Yeah, like, but not just Roy Keane specifically, but why are they so miserable? Yeah, but look understand. at Roy Keane. He is a miserable man. You know, he he <laughs> he, he, he his uh, opinions in general about stuff has is always miserable. You know, you always wanna. You know, I feel like uh, Roy Roy Keane's era and his personality and and the way you know he has been brought up probably is is, is you know he's clearly not Brazilian. So he doesn't know what it means to be Brazilian and, and why that is important to them, right? So, um, again, yeah. you know, um, uh, a culture, a different culture is going to now have an opinion on something that they have, they are not familiar with. Yeah, they don't understand, you know? Mm. Um, and- Was that ever a problem for you? Did anyone ever say... Ryan, you like you know the red hair and the you had pink hair and you really it was, it was great for yeah well yeah did any managers ever have an issue players no. ever try to say anything no no but I mean media and fans did in Holland mm-hmm. you know I mean they 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 didn't mind uh, in 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 the time for example when I was in Fulham everyone was fine but then of course they had opinions in Holland. You know, because in Holland you have also a certain culture that they feel like, why, why would you need to stand out? Why would you need to do that? You know, like that's typical Dutch. You know, so, so um, yeah, you know, it's uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, with the um, with the whole Brazilian dancing thing, I think Amir, you tweeted saying it's expression. I think I tweeted saying like that's that's what they do. Like if right. it, it wasn't a case of like because they were winning the game four nil, I and I I'm I've publicly said I'm not the biggest fan of Richarlison, not not as in Richarlison the footballer, I'd hate to play against him because he seems like a pain in the backside mm. but I really like the fact that they've got their manager involved, I liked all of that Yeah, what's, what's, what's different, what's different Yeah, I think like most people left that game with a smile on their face of like Saki, Saki was like tired right now but that day you weren't tired that day you were having a good time as well <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was love. and it's just funny to me because like you watch Rugby Union well you, do, you might not watch Rugby Union but 
they have to you have to stand there and watch New Zealand do their whole intimidating and like no one's saying you actually have to sit there and watch it and take it in because it's tradition, because it's culture and you have to respect it. Yet yeah, I think there's, you know, a couple there's of Anthony education step, about... step overs two months ago. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I was gonna say I think yeah, sort of with the hacker or something like that, there's people are educated about that and therefore they don't have a problem with it. I think sort of people in the media they look at sort of the Brazilians dancing and just imagine it as an English player dancing. And if an English player was dancing, maybe they'd find it disrespectful or something, but they're just not educated on the culture. Um, well, actually, sorry, here, here's a thought. When Peter Crouch was doing his robot dance every other week, no one said anything. Right. Yeah. He's got a, po- he's got a podcast off it 20 right. years later. Uh, <laughs> also because he's an England international footballer. Uh, <laughs> but like, no, th- yeah. yeah I mean, they're telling dancing, dancing ones aren't. Yeah, <laughs> no, a lot of perception, you know, and, and, and timing. And um, yeah, like I said, we live now in a time everyone is woke. Everyone, you know, you have cancel culture. So social media makes it easier to share opinion and people supporting it. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Look, I, I can't dance. You probably could have guessed that. <laughs> but if, if, if I could, I'd definitely be involved. I, I was loving it. Personally, I think I like that cultural side of the game. It's why we have the World Cup. It's why... You want to see the Moroccan fans littered all over the street. Imagine yeah. saying, like, that wasn't fun or that wasn't right. I mean, that's what the World Cup is all about. You bring loads of different cultures together. For sure. Um, and everyone has a good time. Unfortunately, England fans at the moment aren't having a great time, even though their team's doing really well. Yeah. Maybe because there's no booze over there. But yeah. don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, if England are winning, they'll another everyone question. have fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, yeah. man. Um, another thing we were asked plenty about on social media was hashtag babblecopter mm. what actually happened this, like, I, I don't know if you've ever spoken about this but if if you tell us about this it'll make me very happy because people want to know <laughs> yeah oh no i mean I, I i spoke about it before um no there um it was um it was a, a summer i think it was uh 2000 2000 summer 2010 um yeah, um, I remember uh, Liverpool wanted to sign Carlton Cole from West Ham United, and you, they, hold on, you know what's amazing about that? Yeah. We had Carlton Cole on this podcast like two weeks ago, oh. and he said he said Liverpool wanted to sign me, but I can't tell you for sure what happened. And you're about to tell us the other half of the story. <laughs> yeah, most likely, most likely, most likely. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and again. Still, also a lot, a lot of it didn't make sense to me because I felt like how, how could the miscommunication happen like that? But um, yeah, it was Neither deadline day. Episode, yeah. Sorry, with with Ryan Babel and Cotton Colon. It has <laughs> right. to be a, a third episode. <laughs> yeah, no. So um, um, I was going. Well, the the idea was that Carlton Cole is supposed to come to Liverpool on on loan that was that was what i've been told and they wanted to involve me in the deal to go to west ham you know just for that year obviously with option to buy and whatever if i do well if, if carlton gold does well whatever and at that moment yeah you know i was in in this moment where i didn't made a lot of mints for liverpool so okay yeah i was willing to listen and willing to go on loan somewhere so since um, the weird thing was, 
it happened so fast because that morning on deadline day, I got called by my agent and I'd be like, because it was all of a sudden, it was not something that was worked on for weeks. It was just deadline mm-hmm. day. I got a call from the, my agent. He was like, hey, listen, uh, pack your stuff. You you have to fly to London. You get, you're going to get picked up. And I was like, what? Like, you know, crazy. And it was, I think it was 11 in the morning when around that time, 10, 30, 11 in the morning. And deadline at that moment was, I think, 6 p.m. UK. Mm. So, yeah, there was clearly no time. So now I got picked up. We drive to John Lennon Airport and I drive with the sports director at the time. I forgot this person's name. He was not really a football person. Um, and, yeah, I have to ride with him on this small helicopter to London. And uh, at that time, Twitter was, uh, you know, the thing. We had no Instagram yet. And I was very active on Twitter. So I would really like... At that time, like almost, you know how how you, how you today you have like vlogging with on YouTube. Yeah, I would vlog on Twitter. I would literally have thirty tweets in one minute, for yeah. example. You know, <laughs> like expressing moments, situations, uh, actions, things that I would do. Right. So I was tweeting throughout that day, uh, cryptically because I was at the same time not allowed to share. I'm going to West Ham United, or I'm going to sign. Yeah. But I was cryptically, of course, tweeting about <laughs> my day, right? And then uh, I tweeted, of course, that I was going on this helicopter without saying why I was being on this helicopter. And I was tweeting about the turbulence and, 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 and everything it was a small helicopter. And then Sky Sports, um, uh, I guess, live reported you know, my tweet, but also saw then the helicopter leaving John Lennon. <laughs> you know, so amazing. That it became amazing. a viral thing. So everyone was tweeting about it. It became it became viral, like you know, bubbles in that helicopter and things. <laughs> so now the bubble copter, uh, you know, became a deadline day phenomenon because now on deadline day, like okay, you know, like I was also using that as. Okay, who's who's traveling? Who needs my my helicopter for deadline day? <laughs> you know, so that was a phenomenon that that, that came about. And um, but yeah, you know, the deal didn't happen because um, on upon arrival, um, now the sports director like, and it was weird. It was really that was the, the for the first time a different side that I realized like we as football players are products. Because mm. while I was with this guy. All these hours, he was on the phone also trying to make other stuff happen. So he was on the phone and he would be like, he would be like, uh, they would be like, uh, yeah, we cannot, we cannot uh, pay to, they were talking about a different deal. They, they wanted to buy someone. And then they were like, there's no way we're going to pay so much. Uh, uh, why don't we give you uh, uh, um, this amount and we give you Lucas as well? You know, they, they were, he was talking like so easy about, products and, and players mm. and, and putting it together, like making a deal. And I was listening. I was like, Jesus, like that's how these like people talk about us players, you know, like we are mm. some yeah. trade. Yeah. That's so you know? weird. That's so and, weird. Then now we arrived. Yeah. Now we arrived. And then he was like, so Ryan, look, you know, we are, uh, uh, we're going into, uh, you know, the West Ham uh, office, blah, blah, blah. 
um, the deal says following, you know, you're going to sign a five-year deal with um, with uh, Carlton Co- with uh, West Ham United. It's a swap deal. And I was like, wait a minute, five years? My agent told me I'm going there for a loan for a year. What do you mean five years? So I'm calling my agent. I was like, hey, uh-huh. am I signing for five years? He was like, uh, no, you're going there for a loan. I was like, wait a minute, I think there's a disconnect or something, you know? And then mm. my agent trying to connect with them. Um, I guess there was some shadiness around, and then my agent just said, "Listen, he's not going to sign for five years. It's either a loan, blah blah blah, with option, or not at all." You know. So then, at one point, then Liverpool made me the bl- oh, well, not Liverpool. This particular, you know, management at that time uh, made me the blame to West Ham for oh Ryan not wanting to sign. And therefore, the deal fell through and Carlton Cole didn't end up going to Liverpool, you know. And then, um, <laughs> and then after that, because we were, we were really like driving around in, in the car because obviously we were not going to, to, to West Ham anymore. So while we were ma- driving in circles, like, where is it going to happen or not? We end up not doing it. And then he was like, okay, well. And he dropped me at train station. He was like, yeah, well, take the train back to Liverpool. Because, yeah, I guess it's wow. not happening. So oh, my God. Take the train back to Liverpool two and a half hours. And, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, that was that was it, you know. That is fucking <laughs> yeah. crazy. It was, a, it was an interesting experience. Um, and um, I, I'll tell you one thing, Ryan. Yeah. You dodged a bullet because you would have you would have been stuck in East London for five years. And right. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> and you got a good story out of it as well, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 uh, I appreciate their interest and everything, and it's a, it's a great club. But at that moment, I wasn't ready to um, completely go there. I still had faith uh, in Liverpool, uh, my career there. I just needed probably, you know, a different, um, how you say, environment. Uh, just needed Direction. to leave a little bit that situation and then come back stronger, you know. Yeah. So I still want mm. to see Liverpool. And I was willing to. Yeah. So, if it sounds like you you've reflected on your career quite a bit in uh, up points and you know looked back up points in in your journey, is there any one single moment along your journey that you you change or you look back at it now? I I always think I'm 27 for context, um, and when I, I've been watching football since I was like 12, and I always think you put these people like when I see Jack Grealish on the camera he's two days younger than me and I look at Jack Grealish and I think there's so much expectation on a man I don't even know where I'm heading I'm single no kid like this there's, there's so much hey, to hey, work hey. out. Ther- therapy just, podcast you, let's, let, yeah here we go maybe we need hey, to talk hey. to you about your situation <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm just apply some context here and I, and, I, and I look at someone like Jack Grealish I think all that pressure and all, you have to have it all figured out and know so much and yet you're only 27 but a football 27 is way different yeah so as as you're 35 now I believe right yeah so like looking back is there anything you would say I would have done differently or I regret doing that this way oh yeah of course many many things but again you know at that moment you 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 think you're making the right decisions and I'm sure, yeah, if we could all do certain things over, we would probably not make the same decisions or mistakes. Um, however, it does it gives you that experience of living that moment for if that moment ever occur again, you know now how to handle it differently, right? And um, look, I've been 
I've been hitting headlines with my social media use for many times. You know, of course, one of the very first time was when I was in Liverpool, the Howard Rep situation. But I've had a lot of situations after that also, you know, me falling out with fans on social media, you know, because they think they can just write everything. And then I'm one of the very first athletes who was going back and forth with you on social media, whether I should do it or not, whether it's smart to do it or not, you know. But then it's funny to me that, you know, when 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 these people on social media like try to call you out or try to give you shit and you come back with like a, a great clapback <laughs> that they're, that they're <laughs> at, at one point always be like, Oh, you shouldn't respond. You should be a professional. You should be above it. You should not respond. Listen, at the end of the day, I'm also human with feelings, you know? Yeah. And yeah. If you hurt my feeling and if I feel the need to say something back or if I need to stick up for myself, I'm going to do it. Not because I hold the title professional football means you have to I'm be a, a product. Robot. It's the product thing again. Yeah. It, it's very much a football thing as well. Like, cool. I don't know if you know Kevin Durant is uh, NBA and he can tweet whatever he likes yeah. over there and right? no one cares. You know, so um, it's, this, it's this thing around football players that they are not allowed or they shouldn't or it's not professional. They shouldn't respond. Look, you know, if you, if you read thousands of comments, people insulting your mother, your sister or, or someone dear to you, you want to you want to sometimes like at one point they hit the nerve you want to stick up for them you know and uh, that's just how it is you know and um uh but yeah again you know uh, answering your question yeah if i could have done a lot of things over i would definitely do that for sure last question from me just on this timing because you mentioned it makes sense so last question for me guys sorry you just mentioned your mum and sister, and I'm obsessed with like dynasties. Like we have Skepta over here, and his mum and his dad and his brother. They're all talented. When I did some research earlier, your sister's also a sprinter or was a sprinter. Was yeah, you know, fairly successful national indoor champion. Like, what are your? Uh, is that like a coincidence thing? Is that a genetics thing? Do you think your parents played a part what in like? Yeah, I want to have children one day. I want to. I want to raise a footballer. Yeah. I want to birth a footballer. What What are the keys there? To, you know, raising two successful athletes. Yeah. No, uh, I think it was a genetic thing because my both my parents were uh, like athletes as well. Um, you oh, know, okay. um, they played uh, basketball. Uh, my father played football. At the end, after that, he became a, a basketball coach. Um, so sport has been in the family. So it's not uh, really surprising that, um, yeah, you know, we had a bit of our parents, uh, yeah, DNA. <laughs> I, I just very quickly, Ryan, on behalf of Sakib. Can you give him some parenting advice? I feel like he, he hasn't even got a wife yet. He's ready to have kids. He's constantly... <laughs> Listen, man. I just want a dynasty, man. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, crazy. Kids is, is, is incredible. It's uh, the greatest thing that can, can happen. I mean, as a man in the beginning, especially during the pregnancy period, uh, you, you think, um, you know, it's uh, scary. It's that scary feeling. You don't know what to expect. Um, you know, people... I remember people telling me like, oh, when you have kids, your life changed. You have no time for nothing anymore. You you will be locked up forever and you have no time for nothing. <laughs> that That's not true. I mean, it will definitely more, the, the, the change for a woman is more than the change for a man. You know, like you, you still have your life and your freedom. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is the communication, of course, with your wife and, and, and stuff. But 
at the end of the day, once you have children, trust me, you definitely don't want to go back to not having children. Children, uh, to have children um, is an uh, incredible thing. I'll, I'll be honest here, Ryan. You, when you I... When I uh, when I was, when I said Sakib needs advice, I actually have a child on the way. Right. Secretly, I need advice, and that's what I need right. to hear. That's, that's everything you I need to, to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, back back to football very quickly. Um, you mentioned fans. You mentioned the opinions they have online, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a pain in the backside. Amir himself actually um, recently went private on his account because people were giving him so much shit every other day. Um, it gets to a point where I think. As someone like myself and Amir, we're not professional footballers, but I'm at a point where I don't actually care that much about people who follow me and what they have to say to me because I'm like, I don't really know you. You have an opinion on the basis no of picture. what you think I am. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 you've got no... Your picture is of Messi's left shoe. Like, <laughs> you're nobody, really. Yeah. But for you as a person, how, how much does it matter to you what fans think or, or do you just not care? Well... To say that I don't care is not completely true. Um, of course, it has effect. Um, the 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 thing that uh, I guess bothers me, especially when you say, "Yeah, they don't know you," but often they they act like they know you. You know, and what I mean by that is. Um, you know, uh, a bunch of fans, they have influence on how people can perceive you. And, and, and how people can perceive you is very, at the end of the day, important. Because based on those things, people form opinion about you and then can make a decision about you whether or not they, let's say, uh, want to sign you or not. You know? Yeah, that affects you in real and life as well, not just online. Yeah, of course. Yeah. One of the examples was that um, at one point in my career, I, I, when I was in Germany, I, I tried to see if there were opportunities to go back to Premier League. And then you had spokesperson for that particular team who said like, yeah, we are not sure if Ryan is serious about his career because we heard he wants to be a DJ. We heard he wants to do music. You know? Yes, I was doing stuff with music as a hobby besides football but to actually say and think that people actually thought about me that i wasn't serious about my career that i wanted to become a dj on a serious note that was wild to me to hear that wow these people have the wrong impression about me and then when you google and find out where that came about is because hey i did something six years prior to that i made a music video in my off time with a Dutch rapper for fun one time and that let their own story for you know confrontation still six years later that I would want to try having a music career which in reality I did it once in my life and 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 it still haunts me till eight years six years later that they think uh are you still are you 100% focused on football because you you're 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 doing music as well I'm like I haven't done music for six years what are you talking about so fans or media they have this 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 they can push the narrative and sometimes you need to protect it by clearing things up you know so if if um if i get tweeted or if i get comments about when people for whatever reason they believe why i had a bad game 
because they think I was out partying and in reality I was just home, then I want to set the record straight. So I'm going to respond. I'm like, hey, you, you, yeah, you don't know me, but you're now pushing a narrative that it's not even true, right? So, yeah, we can say we don't care, but if there's too much false narrative spread around, at one point you need to step in and clear, clear stuff, whether it's through an interview, whether it's tweeting yourself, whether it's responding directly. And, and again, you know, I had a lot of times I've been sometimes DMing randomly with people. They started coming in aggressive and then I opened their DM. They would never respond that at, at, uh, expected me to respond. And then, yeah. and, and then nice. first going. Sorry, I'm a huge oh. fan, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's first going aggressive. Oh, it's like that. But then, but then I really tried to call them out nicely. I'd be like, yeah. like, like, sure, like, like. Why would you say that? Yeah, because I read. Did it. You read, okay? Yeah. And and who who posted it? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay. And how often did this post? This person post the reality. For example, here in Turkey, it's it's it's, it's commonly known. Turkish media they always spread false rumors. Then now all of a sudden they I make them I make them think right. They'd be like, yeah, you're actually right. They they do spread a lot of false false rumors. So what happened then? What happened? What, what's the reality? And then I explain the reality. And also. Oh wow! No, I didn't know that. Oh, I apologize. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm a big fan. Oh, <laughs> all of a sudden, it turns. It turns from the first tweet or first DM is like, "Leave our country. You're you're like go back to your country or blah 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 blah. You don't deserve the jersey." And all of a sudden, like, I'm your big fan. You know, like fans sometimes they like delusional i think it's, they don't see they don't see people behind the screen or on tv or anything like that no. like a footballer i mean sorry like no. a human being they just see them like almost like a character or like a yeah like someone who's not yeah. real and then when you respond like it's a video game they're watching yeah, like, yeah yeah just listen that is that is you know i feel like um if um if you have a lot of like laws and rules in place also for fans because fans most of the time have a free card and and as soon as you respond as a player you get fined or whatever you know if if you have uh and, and let's of course let's just tackle let's make a difference with criticism and and social abuse right yeah um, if you're a fan and you abuse people i feel like there should be a real punishment for them and I always had this idea, like let's 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 imagine a world where, um, if you socially abuse a player, because sometimes I get racist DMs or racist comments. But let's relate. say there was a law that, that yeah, right, yeah. that if you are racially abuse someone, the punishment for that is jail time. Don't you think? you wipe out 80-90% of, of those type of abuse. Most likely. I mean, I try to use common sense. Like, if you know as a person who... Maybe you're racist, but now you're not... Now you're being more careful to spread racism because you know the punishment is, is let's say, five-year jail time or whatever. Whether it's realistic or not. Hypothetically, mm. I would not racial abuse someone. <clears throat> but because there is such a free space for those people hiding behind private accounts and just typing anything, they feel the freedom, you know? And they do that. So I think there's a lot of improvement there. Um, 
but maybe that that at one at one point i feel like uh, that will change with uh, the web3 development because you know mm. you have to be a real person mm. and you have to have a lot of your information out there that will be on blockchain so people can really identify and see who you are so if you are going to yeah uh, cross rules then people can see I think Rio Ferdinand's advocating a social media platform. I think I've seen him advertise it. Where you have to like, your government ID is essentially required. Right. It's like Twitter, but with a government like ID verified. required to sign up. Yeah. Some form of that will probably be the future. Yeah. I think those things could change. You know, because there's too many bots and there's too many like even yeah. with the England Euro stuff. Apparently, eighty percent of those tweets were from foreign accounts or accounts yeah. abroad, which right. is like is bizarre to me. Really, yeah. Um, and I think it is warping your reality and then you're you're angry you're mad at the world thinking all these because when you actually go out in the street that's not your experience right but when you're on the internet you think oh everyone's racist the whole world exactly and it's damaging exactly yeah we also we also spend so much time on the internet like how we how us four have met is literally via the internet right um this is getting recorded on the internet and then we're gonna go off we're gonna sit on twitter (laughs) we're gonna sit on instagram and you're just we're constantly like consuming this information ridiculous i don't want to check screen time (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um i will just very quickly ask you on this dm situation on a more positive and lighter note and this is probably the strangest question you've had, and probably those listening and going, "Why? What is going on?" But the, how we've got Ryan Babble on our pod is, I actually just DM'd you and said, "Ryan, do you want to come on the pod?" And you said yes. Now I'm not saying go and DM Ryan Babble and he's going to reply to you. Um, but what made you want to come on the pod, just out of pure interest? Um, no, I think um, I think it was also it's also a bit of. Um, um i guess profile building uh, for myself um you know i've of course i have to um, and i've already been doing that for a long time but you know you go you were trying to find a direction to what are you going to do uh, after your career um and it takes a build up right so um as for now i'm not sure what i'm going to do 100% yet um i'm not sure if i'm going to maintain in football world but i feel like sessions like this can make it figure out whether it's something for me you know talking about football and 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 whatever and i always had a strong opinion about being a football player and have ex-football players now like um you know talking about you know their old colleagues Mm -hmm. um especially if they trying to push a certain narrative where they know in reality that's not the case because you have been a football player so you should know how certain things work right um uh, and again you also have good you also have good ex-football players who actually do a great job you know jamie carragher even gary neville i'm not always agree with his opinion but he has he has good points, valid points, you know, from an ex-football player, he knows how certain things work, you know. Um, but that's why I, I'd never want to be the person to, you know, even also with this interview, you know, the, the things that I've said about certain uh, players, whether it's Virgil or whatever. I don't want it to taking out of context of me um spreading something that in reality that was not the intention to right i want to be fair 
uh, want to tell my truth, but also want to be fair and and actually um, saying something that can be of value to a listener and to also be like, okay, well, yes, whether we were uh, criticizing a certain player by hearing this explanation, hey, maybe I can now try and look differently and judge, make a different opinion rather than just black on white, you know? Um, uh, because again, like I said, you know, we as fans maybe want Virgil to dribble into the midfield and all the way cross, you know, go for goal. But if if the manager says, listen, I don't want you to dribble in, I, I want you to stay, then that's his job. That's his task. He has to mm. obey that. He cannot do that, even if he want to. So, you know, um, that's the reality. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, long answer short, um, I think, um, you know, doing sessions like this um, is good to have a feel of how it feels like to slowly crack my brain more and think about stuff that I normally not had to think about also. Um, so, yeah, I guess it goes both ways. You know, um, of course, you know, for you guys, it's good to have me on there. But also for me, it's good to 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 yeah live through this experience and, and and get some good content out of it i lied earlier by the way i have one last question on a much much lighter note <laughs> i'm a huge rap fan mm. would you ever get in the booth in the studio with memphis will that ever happen you're both you've both done it before right. and i just think that would be epic um well uh it's it's funny. I, I'm working actually on a second album right now. I, I, I released the first album in Dutch, but I'm working on a second album trying to integrate more English to it. Because a lot of people saying like, oh, it's in Dutch. I like the music, but I don't understand. So I'm going to make it more a mix of Dutch-English. Um, but again, a lot of it is timing, you know. Um, of course, you want to put him on the record that, that he likes and that fits him, but also something that, you know, would add to the track for myself. and um he is very strategic in also his stuff you know so he's not just gonna do anything just because we are mm. colleagues or friends um but um you know if it ever happened I'm, I'm sure there will be a time for it yeah wicked i'd listen to that, that. would be, be real. Yeah. <laughs> i feel like that would be sakib's dream come true memphis and ryan hey, in the in, uh, in the booth Memphis, um, Ryan, football, music. Look, Damon Lillard here. He's also a basketball player that raps. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. it. <laughs> um, also, I just want to say, by the way, Ryan, you touched on this is like the hopefully the beginning for you of deciding what you want to do after football. If you end up being a pundit, I want to hear it started at no ratings pod. That's where it all started. Yeah, going in. <laughs> no, 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 I'm playing. Um, very quickly, uh, we've got it written here that we want to know what your dream five-a-side team is that you've played with. So keeper and then whatever formation you want to play. But I strictly recommend playing with two defenders because Amir thinks you can win five-a-side games with one defender. I won the vote. I we, we did a Twitter poll on our five-a-side team. He thinks he can win with Yaya Torre at the back of his five-a-side. Just In a five-a-side team, Yaya Torre can play, <laughs> no, play at the no, back. You Ryan, just, well, you just give us your five-a-side team. Well, look, coming from... Uh, street football back in the days because Amsterdam, Holland is known for producing a lot of good street soccer. Um, you would actually almost, you had no defenders in your team. You only had attackers in your team. And, <laughs> oh, and, and whoever, whatever <laughs> guest we get on after this, it doesn't matter. You're, you're my new favorite guest. It's, do you, do you know, you would, or whatever defenders, that is, it speaks would, to my heart. 
Yeah, because you would, you would, the, those attackers would also defend. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Tori. You know, <laughs> because it's five aside. You know, no, normally, yes, attackers are known for not tracking back or not defending. But in a five aside, actually, let's say the street code, the street, you know, rules. You also have to defend, so you're naturally defending also. And but if you look at the players, we we are all really like attackers, you know. So, um, but yeah, if you're going to apply the 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 the, the eleven v eleven mentality into the five no. side, then yeah, you're going to try and get a balance two defenders, one only midfielder, and maybe only two three attackers or two attackers, you know. Like no, that's. For a five side it applies different rules. So yeah. total football yeah, yeah. from a yeah. football himself. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, put, put five attackers. Uh, that is there, but... next time we do a, a five side draft. I'm picking five attackers, and I'm going to tell them Ryan Babble told me so, and no one can argue with me. <laughs> yeah, the Ryan Babble theory. Ryan Babble <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I mean. Um, I probably, I probably would not pick players that that people would expect because um, I'm now talking about, like I said, it's a five aside thing. It's it's different abilities acquired, right? So um, I would not have a Steven Gerrard in my five aside, even though if you ask me a question like who is the best player you ever played with in your whole career, I would choose Steven Gerrard, right? But I would not put him in my five aside. You know. Mad. Um, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, Street football is, it is different. Five you need the dribblers, five small space dribblers. Requires, requires, yeah, requires people with, with this with yeah, this futsal abilities. Right. You know, ball under the feet, small, small spaces, like, you know, um, and, 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 you know, you have a lot of players who are on the pitch, maybe not necessarily that great, but in small spaces, they are, they are incredible. You know, so... Um, just just want to say that Sofian Bufau from the World Cup is springing to my mind immediately oh yeah? with, right. with that expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but... Uh, I mean... Uh, you guys remember uh, Gregory van der Wiel? Yeah. Um, I would have him in my team because he uh, he he would be a great uh, indoor futsal player. I would have Nigel De Jong uh, in the team. My boy. He um, maybe he is known just for like tackling and that's it. But no, he's actually a, a great technician with the ball. Uh, he has great technique. Um, I would have um, I would have Stephen Pinar. In the team, uh, play with him in Ajax. Also, a great technician with the bonus feet, small areas, um, uh, very trickery. Um, do you have to include a keeper or, the, or just players? Listen, Brian, I've been nice to you this whole time, but if you if your team is coming to play in England without a goalkeeper in five side, you're losing whichever team it is. Okay, so keeper and four players, right? Okay, I guess. So that's so then yeah, I would have um um I would have a keeper called uh, Kenneth Vermeer. Uh, mm. yeah. You know, uh, not necessarily had the the biggest career in terms of teams, you know, he played most of his career in Holland. 
Uh, he is now in America, MLS. But um, he um, he used to he used to be a, a, a field player in his early youth Amazing. career before turning into a keeper at age fifteen, um, which is pretty late if you think about it. So but, he's basically uh, he's an outfielder. Much... I love it. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's one. Of the, he was one of the keepers who who was great with the ball on his feet as well. You know? Yeah. So. Um, um, so I guess, yeah. And then I guess you have myself, right? In, in the team. So I would probably be up front. You have the guys balancing out and you have a keeper who can also join <laughs> when we have in possession. Uh, you know. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Ryan, you said, you said that when you came to Liverpool, you had to track back and forth. Then right. you said your five-side team needs to go up and down. Rafa won't be happy if he sees you doing up and down in five-side. <laughs> the five-side right, right, is right. small enough. <laughs> The five side pitch exactly, yeah, you know, you move, you move, you move as a unit. Facts. You can cover yeah. the space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing my five side team down to Turkey, and Saki have seen me play football. Right. We're putting you in a board. He's, he's bringing right. three defenders and play, one attacker. Man. Shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, right, very, very quickly. Um, Final thing on the pod, as ever, we finish with an icebreaker. This one is provided to us by our friends at Art of Football. It's very simple. Your favourite football haircut ever. What would it be? Because there's a few flying around this tournament. I'm going to go with mine very simple. Um, I think, and it's quite boring, actually. I think so- um, Sofian Amrabat's haircut, he has a hairline, but he chooses to be bald. Class. That, to me, is... the. It's cra- he's no a dangerous nonsense. man. Yeah. He's a dangerous man. Mm. Um, I think Pepe Brian, do you have a? Yeah, Pepe, no, Pepe doesn't have a hair- hairline. Pepe's got no hair. I know, but yeah. there, there was a time where he could he could, <laughs> he could actually grow like a little afro, and he just used to shave it bald. It's a dangerous man. Mm. Like if if, if if someone playing against me, like Nigel Diong, who's a good friend of mine, he has to be bald. It, it, he's dangerous he's, and he's bald. Yeah. Right, but right. if he had a hairline, he'd still be he's a dangerous man. Right. <laughs> um, Ryan, do you have a go-to favorite hairstyle you can think of? What? What? I mean, you're wearing a hat at the moment. For those that can't see, yeah, is that because you're covering your hair? Your hair's not quite ready for a pod. My my hair was not uh, quite ready for this pod. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wait, you ask me. You're asking me the best haircut from the World Cup or just in general? Just it, uh, one in football that you've seen that you like can be your own if you want. Oh, uh, I mean. Um, I guess uh, I guess I would have to give it to 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 Pogba, right? I mean, Pogba had uh, incredible haircuts that stood out uh, at one point, um, and he was very consistent with them. You know, I think now he's more uh, tamed a little bit with that. But um, you know, he went through a phase where he had headlines. You know, he, he was very creative, and um, I admired him that for that for sure. Amir, you got a preference? Uh, yeah, R nine, R nine, the Ronaldo <laughs> Nazario with this this little haircut. No, it's just iconic, in it? So for me, yeah, I've got to go with that. All right, go on, Zakib. It's got to be David Beckham's cornrows, isn't it? David Beckham, iconic, like, iconic. just pull off anything, and it's just iconic. And then he ends up meeting Mandela. With cornrows as well, bad timing. I don't think he planned it. And it just, it was just David Beckham, man, a man of culture. Like, right. he's the only guy I think we can get away with cornrows, and they don't call it like cultural appropriation because yeah. it's David Beckham. Yeah, scary ass man, big like, legend. That, yeah, like I can, he just gets away with whatever he wants. Even Bold um, Beckham was amazing to be fair. Maybe that's a bit of my 
Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. That's all we have time for. Uh, Amir, thank you for hopping on. Amir, as ever, has to dash because his brother needs to get a train and Amir yeah. has to drop him off. I know. And I, I, I just, Ryan, I, just I would have loved to chat to you longer. We couldn't do it another time, I'm sure. Uh, but that's why they're ending now <laughs> um, because I have to. Yeah. But it's been lovely yeah. chatting to you. Um, for sure. Part two with Carlton Cole on and they can yeah. work out the, <laughs> sort out the real story. Of the truth. Uh, <laughs> as ever. Uh, Sakib, thank you. Ryan, thank you for hopping on the pod. Um, appreciate your time, man. And I'm sure we'll get you on again. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about everything else that's going to happen. And, and hopefully you continue to have a great time in Turkey. But I promise you, I'm bringing my five-a-side boys down to Turkey. Right. And we're playing. Because <laughs> if you've got five outside, you're losing to you're my not, team. <laughs> street footballers from, from the Netherlands are never losing, brother. Yeah. It's culture. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bless you.